what you notice is he watches his ordinary people. Ordinary people um, doing some pretty extraordinary things. You know, some during war times, and they have the stories to tell about it, of, of the tragedies and the horrors and the difficulties, and, and others serving in ways that was mentioned that you never really think about in small skirmishes or maybe not even during a time of overt war, but they're making it possible that you and I can live at, at peace. You know, they're doing things that allow us to live the incredibly blessed lives that we live as Americans. And I've had the privilege of living in some other places, other countries, and let me tell you, if, if you believe uh, the news that this is not the greatest country in the world, uh, just get on a plane with me and I'll fly you somewhere else and show you this is the greatest place in the world. And one of the reasons it is is because men and women have stood up and said, count me in and join our, our military service. You know, just ordinary people who willingly give, um, gave of themselves and today give of themselves for the sake of our country, for the sake of America. You know, I was so blessed as we watched all these things, but one of the things that struck me so much was, was Ray's comment, and I'm sad that I, I don't see Ray here today. Um, I mean, he must not be feeling well or something. Um, but that uh, a Korean War vet, um, that he talked about the flag, and he said, I would, tears in his eyes, he said, I would die. Uh, for the flag. I would die for my country because he had those kinds of strong feelings uh, for America. You know, just that idea of, of people loving this land and, and, and making personal sacrifices for the common good. Making personal sacrifices for you and me. And you know what? On this day, it is absolutely right. I know, I know Memorial Day or um, Veterans Day is in a couple of days, but on this Sunday, it is right and proper for us to uh, honor all of you who have served our country and served us. So we say, on behalf of this congregation, thank you so much um, for what you, are give, what you have given, what some are currently giving. Some of you here have children currently who are gone, who are in the military service. Thank you. Um, when Suzanne quoted the scripture of, um, from John 3.16, I thought, you know, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. I thought, how many people, moms and dads, have felt that same way, that I love so much I've given my son or my daughter. Uh, to military service. So we, we thank you um, for serving today. You know, Jesus, in, in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, he said something that's been quoted a few times today. He said these words. He said, Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And you know, what I hoped from, would happen from this video, that we would watch it, and it would show us some of the ways that military people live out these words of Jesus. Some of the ways that they lay down their, their lives, and we ask them to express that to you today, and I hope you've, you've seen that. And of course, when we think about laying down our lives for a friend, laying down our lives for another person, the greatest example that is seen is in those who make the ultimate sacrifice. You know, in Roger's five friends who never came back, and you're the only one with the cross still on your arm, that those five have, have not come back. Um, Katie's shipmate, who was burned to death on the way to doing a humanitarian mission, um, something our, that our servicemen and women are called upon regularly to do. You know, people dying, the ultimate way of expressing for God, that, that laying down your life for a friend. And the list, you know, goes on and on of, of how people have done that. And I wonder, as just a, an average group of American people, if we really realize um, how many servicemen and women have made that ultimate sacrifice for our country. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, Lord, how, how many is that? And, and I looked up some statistics on this, and it, it was mind-blowing to me. You may not realize this, but, but that in the Civil War, 365,000 northern soldiers were killed, 
and 133,000 southern soldiers died. In World War I, 116,000 American soldiers were killed. In World War II, 407,000 soldiers, American soldiers died. 54,000 died in Korea. 58,000 died in Vietnam. 148 died in the Gulf War. And currently in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, about 4,000 have given their lives, American soldiers. You add that all up, that's over one million, well over, hundreds of thousands, over one million men and women who love their country so much that they said, I'll pay the ultimate sacrifice. Every single one of those, you know, paid the ultimate price um, in support and defense of our freedom. You know, we are free today, free to, to pray, free to worship, free to speak, free to uh, assemble, free to disagree. Last Tuesday, you were free to vote. Why? Because of these men and women um, who've laid down their, in their, their lives. You know, in Jesus' words, they have revealed the greatest expression of love that any person could ever make. They laid down their lives for a friend, for family, and for country. And so it is right to remember that and honor that today. But let's not forget, and this is why we asked the question of our people we interviewed. Tell us about how you could sacrifice, how people sacrifice without dying. You know, those, we remember those who died, and, and that's, the, that's a huge expression of laying down your lives. But, but as we talked about that, let's not forget that many other people in the service also lived out these words of, of Jesus. That they did uh, lay down their lives. They may not have been shot on a foreign field. They may not have been wounded or killed in a roadside bomb, but they laid down their lives in many ways also. You know, I was talking to Darlene about this at a staff meeting, and that's why we, that's how we formed one of our questions. Tell us about those who didn't. And I was talking about this w- with her, and, and she was explaining what it's like to, uh, to give your life to the military. And it was something I hadn't really thought of before. That one day you're living this normal life, making your own choices in the comfort of your own home, you know, and for, for you it was in Mequon, you know, living in, in suburban, isolated Wisconsin. And the next day, as a young person, um, you're the property of the U.S. government. And suddenly they tell you where to go. They tell you what to do. They tell you what to eat. They tell you when to sleep. They tell you when not to sleep. And on and on and on and on. Friends, that's laying down your life. That's giving up your rights, giving up your freedoms. And and the question is, why would somebody do that? Well, ultimately, it's for the sake of family and friends and country and beliefs. And one of my hopes today is that the example of these folks that we've highlighted today and that have come up here this morning, the, the example of these folks would challenge each of us to ask how we can follow the same principle. You know, not necessarily through military service, as honorable as that is, but that's not going to be for everybody. But how can we honor that in our lives? Living out love by laying aside ourselves for other people. You see, that's a a basic principle of the Christian life. And if you have your Bibles, open with me in your Bible to the Gospel of, of Matthew, the 20th verse. Jesus has something to say about this. This, kind of, this idea of laying ourselves aside for other people. Matthew 20, starting at verse 25. And if you're visiting and you're in the pew area, there's Bibles underneath in front of you. You're welcome to take one of those. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to take one of those home with you. 
Starting in verse 25 of Matthew 20, it says this, But Jesus called, him, called to himself, called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be the first among you shall be your slave. Jesus taught something very uh, extraordinary in those verses that has to do with what we're talking about today. He taught that, that ordinary human reasoning that has been, whether we like it or not, to admit it has been um, corrupted by sin by, in our thinking, that ordinary human thinking believes that greatness comes through dominance. You know, that he says that the, the leaders of our world exercise authority. They dominate, they control those people that are under them. He says, you know what, that kind of thinking is wrong. He says, in reality, greatness comes through service. He says, whoever wants to become great among you shall be your servant. Friends, real greatness isn't measured by how many people you've stepped on to get where you are. But true greatness is measured by how many people you have grabbed by the hand and helped up along your path of life. And as I was thinking about that in preparation for this sermon, I was reminded of something that I think really illustrates this, this idea. It's the ultimate illustration. I was reminded of two funerals that I've attended in my life. The first funeral was that of a, of a, a very, of an old man, and I actually was asked to officiate the funeral. And, and uh, this man was a man who had lived his life um, strictly for himself. Everything was about, about him, and he was known for being cheap, although he had quite an estate. Uh, he was known for being mean to his family. The only encounters I remember, and he was a relative of mine that I remember, were, were mean encounters, never any love or grace. He was mean to his family. He had no friends that I'm aware of. His entire life, I don't ever remember him having any friends. He was a heavy drinker who took little or no time for kindness or service to anyone. And that man's funeral was the saddest funeral I've ever been to in my life. And the reason it was the saddest funeral is odd because the, the reason it was so sad is that there was not one tear shed at his funeral. Not one person was upset. Not one family member, his own wife of, at that time, 60 years, was smiling and happy and as if to say, I'm just glad the old coot is gone. And that's really, honestly, as frivolous as the service was. And I tried to, as the officiating pastor, try to bring some, some somberness and some, some reality to the situation, but nobody cared. It was so sad because it just wasn't sad. sad. Because he lived his life to push other people down. He lived his life to gain the advantage. He lived his life to, to save another dollar. And he died the poorest man I know with a bank account full of money. But there was another funeral that I went to very recently in this last year. The man at that funeral wasn't uh, nearly as old as the first. And I really don't know if he left behind a great amount of resources, but I think he didn't probably leave around, long, around a great deal of resources. And you know what? I never knew the man, but the moment that I drove into the funeral home parking lot, I knew that the guy had to be special. Because when I pulled in in this little tiny town in central Wisconsin, the parking lot of the funeral home was absolutely packed with people, and a line to view the, the casket and the body and to greet the family extended down the aisle, through the lobby, and out the door into the parking lot. And I thought, wow, this is a little tiny town, and, and uh, this, everybody in the entire area is here at this funeral. 
You know, and as I stood in line, and I, I stood in line with Dick Fister, we drove up there together. And we, we drove up, and as we stood in line, I listened to the people around me. And you know what? I heard people talking about the man who had passed away. Talking about his kindness, talking about his generosity, talking about that he lived his life for other people. That he was a small town school teacher who really cared for other people and really invested in others. Well, that man is, was, was Luke Kotecki's father. I asked Luke for permission to share his story this morning. It was Luke's father, and he passed away tragically this, this last year in a, in a car accident. And I asked Luke about his dad. I called him on the phone. I said, can I talk about your dad and his funeral? And I said, Luke, I was so amazed at, that, at the funeral because I just saw so many people there, everybody in town. And I heard them talking about how, what a wonderful man he was and how much they expressed love. And this is what Luke said. He said, well, I think all that happened that day is those people were giving back a little bit of the love that my dad gave them over all the years. You know, and that was, it was obvious at the funeral that he really was a rich man. That he had a life filled with love. He was honored by his family. He was honored by his friends. He was honored by an entire community. Friends, greatness is revealed more by the people at your funeral than by the size of your bank account or the accomplishments in your life. Life is about loving, and loving is about serving others, and that's what Jesus wants you and me to understand today, and that's what I hope we can gain as we look at people who have served. You see, Jesus, when he tells you and me to serve, when he says, don't be the, don't be the one who lords it over, instead be the one who's a servant of all, when he tells you and me to do that, you need to understand, he's simply telling us to follow his example. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, the one who created all life, who sustains all life, the one who is worshipped by men and worshipped by angels. He came into our world and he lived out the ultimate expression of love for us to follow. You know, we know the scripture that we just looked at earlier today says, Greater love has no one than this, and he laid down his life for a friend, and Jesus did that. But the scripture also says this. Jesus himself said about himself, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Imagine that with me, if you would, this morning. The Son of God, the creator of the world, the sustainer of all life, the one worshipped by men and angels, that Jesus laid down his life for his sheep. His sheep is you, and his sheep is me. That he gave up his rights, that he left, that he lived his life in order to pay the penalty that each of us deserves to pay for the sins that we have committed. And like a soldier who goes into battle and willingly lays down his life for others, Jesus did that for you and he did that for me. You know, his death paid the price for our guilt. He took the punishment that we deserve upon himself. But I want you to realize something today that there's more to it than that. Because sometimes we hear that story about Jesus dying for us and he died for our sins and and we kind of file it away and say, oh yeah, I understand that already. But when we think about Jesus dying for us, laying down his life for us, we usually just think about eternity. We usually think about heaven. We usually think about that he died to to save me of my sins. And you know, that is 100% correct. But there's something else I want us to understand today on this Veterans Day that Jesus laying down his life for you is meant to affect you today. It's not just meant to affect your eternity. It's meant to affect you today. 
And there's something that I really sensed in my spirit as I prayed about this service. And, and a matter of fact, when we plan this service, we are going to do what we did last year and bring in a veteran and have him talk to you. And as we prepared that, I said, you know what? I'm absolutely convinced God wants me to communicate something to you today. So we're not going to bring somebody else. And I think God has something he wants to say. And I think this is what he really wants you to understand today. That not only is Jesus here for saving your spirit, but Jesus is here for healing your soul. Healing that part of you that is you. That part of you, the spirit's the eternal part. That soul is your mind and your emotions and your will. And that Jesus is here today to heal that part of you that makes you, you. You know, um, some of you with military service, in your backgrounds, you have experienced incredible pain. You have witnessed loss you have witnessed death. You have witnessed horror. Things that we can't imagine. And through all these things, these, all these things you've experienced, although they're somewhere buried back in the recesses of your soul, they still bleed. They still hurt. They still inhibit your progress. And what Jesus wants you to know today is that He came to heal that. And I know this isn't just true for military people. That other people through abuse or neglect may have wounds deep inside of them. And what I think Jesus wants you to understand today is that Jesus came to heal you today. I want you to listen to the words that Jesus himself spoke about himself and what his ministry would be. In the Gospel of Luke in the fourth chapter, Jesus stood in a synagogue one day and he, they opened the, book, the prophet Isaiah scroll and he read that this and he said, this is about me. And it says this about Jesus. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And I believe this is God's word for those of you with pain in your soul today. You've got those things deep down and hidden that you, that you dream about at night, and they're there and you're trying to move on, but they're still very real. That Jesus wants you to know today that He came to release the captives. That some of you have been held captive by the memories of your past things that you did or things that were done to you, things that wake you up at night. And friends, if you come to Christ, He says something. He says, I've made you brand new. He has forgiven your past and today He wants to release you from your captivity that you feel in your soul. In just a few moments, we're going to pray together and I'm going to pray that God will, will, will in, in essence, rip those things from your soul and heal you with His touch. Jesus said He came to set free those who were oppressed. I believe that today is a day for freedom for you if you felt that oppression. It's time to be set free from the guilt. It's time to be set free from the fear. It's time to be set free from the unforgiveness that may rest in your life because you weren't treated as you should have been or things didn't go the way you thought or was just unjust or unfair that you should have experienced what you experienced. Those things that have held you like a prisoner, Jesus came to give you freedom today. That's what He said He came to do. 
Jesus began his explanation of why he came into this world and what he would do by saying these words. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Friends, God has given his Spirit to his church so that the works of Christ will be accomplished in you today. You see, church is not about me. Church is not about uh, the way we worship, in essence. Church is about the Spirit of God doing in you what only God can do. And healing of your soul only comes from a touch from the Lord. Freedom for our souls. Release from the captivity of our pasts. God's Spirit is the power of God at work in the world. At work in this place today. And I believe for some of you today, as you have tried to move forward and there's wounds in your soul, that if you will open up and ask Jesus to heal you, that the hand of God is going to reach in and bring healing to your soul today. Would you stand with me this morning as we close in prayer?